Welcome back to the Boost Podcast for our third episode in our series on popular piety. This is Jen Ealing here with Father Bruce, and today we are talking about Santa, Santa Claus. Claus. Yay! <laughs> All right, so we're talking about Santa Claus today, Father, but who is Santa Claus really? Santa Santa is Jennifer. He's a real person, mm-hmm. uh, but he is a real person uh, in the form of Saint Nicholas. Mm-hmm. Saint Nicholas was a uh, fourth century bishop of Myra, which is in Asia Minor. Mm-hmm. And uh, so minor. Why did I say minor? You got you got Cajun for a second. It's okay. I did. I did. Asia Minor. Um, so yeah, we're talking about Saint Nicholas today, and. We get this this idea, so we in the United States and kind of worldwide mm-hmm. now have this notion of Santa Claus that is distantly related to St. Nicholas and some of the stories of his life, which we're going to talk about in a second. Um, but how we got from St. Nicholas to Santa Claus is kind of just by way of almost like that traditional melting pot mm-hmm. of, you know, when immigrants move and change and bring yep. their bring their cultures with them. And so what did that look yeah. like? Father? Yeah, and one culture meets another cu- culture mm-hmm. and now we have this this jolly green uh jolly plump guy, yeah. right? In, in a red suit with a belt that hardly fits, who likes mm-hmm. to eat uh cookies and milk and brings gifts to kids, but uh the real man behind that mm-hmm. uh is is Saint Nicholas. And so Saint Nicholas uh actually came from a wealthy family, mm-hmm. a very wealthy family who his parents were devout Christians, devout Catholics. They, they raised them in uh, the Christian spiritual life in a very virtuous way. And uh, some of the cool practices uh, that St. Nick did, or Nicholas, a young man, uh, did growing up is on Wednesdays, minor f- uh, fast days, and on Fridays, major fast days, mm-hmm. he would only take uh, nourishment once once a day so wow. he was a hardcore Dude. faster and uh like was doing stuff outside of the lenten season mm-hmm. which is very beautiful and um he began studying the sacred sciences at the age of five well sure why not five years old <laughs> of course weren't you weren't we all just i just wish busting out I the wish. bible and being like teach me about this <laughs> um yeah so so just to kind of interject this here so we pull a lot of what we know about St. Nicholas from fragments mm-hmm. um, that have been written over the years from hagiographies, which are, um, which are biographies of the saints. It has a very nice special name for it. Um, but we don't have really any historical writings from St. Nicholas Correct. himself. We have a lot of things that are based on traditions that have been passed mm-hmm. down. And But what we have passed down to us is confirmed within each of the, um, each of the traditions that right, have been passed right. down. Yeah, both so, Eastern and Western. You're right. right. So like a lot of what we know of, of the man and the myth, mm-hmm. um, we're going to talk about some of those today. But as you said, like what we do know that is factual comes from uh, very limited sources. Mm-hmm. And we don't really know a lot. Right. We, we know don't... about his early life. About a little bit about his episcopacy because he he was a bishop, mm-hmm. bishop of uh, Myra in Asia Minor. <laughs> um, but the rest really just kind of was given to him and developed over time, as yeah. as we stated before with culture. But so so Nicholas came from, as I said, uh, a wealthy family was was reared in the faith at a very young age. He had a tendency towards God and things that were holy and. 
his parents uh, actually passed away. They died mm. when he was very young, and they left Nicholas uh, well-to-do with a huge inheritance. Yeah. And, and what did he do with that? Yeah, he uh, <laughs> he gave it away, yeah. and that's where the legend of Santa Claus yeah, it starts right starts there. right there. And so there was an interesting story of a father in town mm-hmm. where Nicholas was. And uh, this particular father was trying to marry off his three young daughters. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a it was a wealthy man who had lost his money, and as you know back then, uh, marriages were arranged yeah. and dowries were needed, and uh, you had to have money to marry right, off these right. daughters. You had to give something uh, for these future husbands to 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 uh, to want to marry your daughter. And unfortunately, this guy had no money, had nothing to give. And so uh, it was in poverty and in desperation that he was actually considering selling his daughters off for mm-hmm. prostitution right. to make money. Um, and that was just the unfortunate uh, uh, situation of that time. And, right. and so this gets to Nicholas. He hears about it and he decides to do something mm. with his money that his parents left him uh, because he had the virtue. He, he was already had those virtues within him. And mm-hmm. so he was inclined to do uh, holy things and to use that for good and works of charity. And so he decides one night to go and get a bag of gold coins that he had and toss it in the window mm-hmm. of this guy's house. And the guy finds it and now he has money and so he can pay the dowry. He marries his first daughter off and uh, some time has passed. Time passes and he uh, needs to marry the second daughter off mm-hmm. and Saint Nic- uh, Nicholas, sorry, he's not a saint yet, yeah, does the same thing. Um, and then by the second time, this father's like, I want to know who my yeah, benefactor doing is. This. So I'm going to set up, you know, a watch. And he uh, catches Nicholas doing it for, yeah. the, for the third. And this guy is, uh, becomes uh, just in, in gratitude mm-hmm. of, of Nicholas for, for what he does. Yeah. And from there, his reputation in the town really grows mm-hmm. as being a generous man. And, and there's other stories that... That um that people uh, tell us of, of just the of the, his kindness of going around uh, doing charitable things right right and I think that's you know the the throwing of the money through the window on a couple of occasions is likely that's the the basis mm-hmm. for some of our popular piety on the feast day of Saint Nicholas which was on December sixth this right. year it's always on December sixth um but this year we kind of it was on a Sunday this year so we kind of passed it over a little right, bit. Right, right. But the tradition is that you would put your shoes or, or your socks, like now we've kind of morphed that in the mm-hmm. Western culture to the, the stockings by Correct. the fireplace. Yep. Um, but a lot of people will just leave their shoes out and the story goes that St. Nicholas comes and he puts some little treat or a candy or right, an orange right, right. into your shoe. And so that's that's kind of the generosity of St. Nicholas kind of living through our tradition and, and being brought up, brought to us mm-hmm, today yeah. as well. Um, and I didn't really uh, become familiar with that particular tradition until mm-hmm. I went to seminary, believe it or not. Because we, uh, in the Western culture, uh, had always, uh, we always um, equated St. Nicholas with Christmas Day. Sure, sure. And so presents, and then uh, in my family at least, the stockings came on New Year's Eve, mm-hmm. uh, my birthday. So, <laughs> but in the seminary, um, we had one one particular seminarian uh, from the wonderful diocese of Baton Rouge, mm. who would dress up as Saint Nicholas oh on the feast gosh. of Saint Nicholas, November the sixth, 
uh, which, as he said, this year, uh, second Sunday of Advent, mm-hmm. trumped it. And he would go around at night. We would leave our shoes outside our room, and he would put candy in it. But mm-hmm. very uh, similar, similar to him tossing money in windows or leaving it where people could find it for uh, for their own needs. Right, right. Yeah, so we, we have gotten to hear a little bit about this, this generosity of St. Nicholas. And so his legend um, that has persisted throughout Protestant countries of Europe, um, you know, the, as the, after the Reformation, we, there was still this devotion to him. Mm-hmm. And so these Dutch colonists in, the, in this Protestant Europe area, when they moved to the United States, to what was called New Amsterdam, now that's New York City, yep. um, they brought this with him. And, and back then, in the, in the Dutch um, dialect, it, he was called Sinterklaas. Hmm. Um, and so you can hear right there in the, in the Dutch that that's yep. where we... We're very close in, to our... Right, we, we draw in English Santa Claus. And Santa itself is also saint. That comes from that's the correct. Latin yeah. as well. Santus, but we kind of in in America again with that movement of immigrants and that and that uh, kind of conflation of traditions, we kind of conflated Santa Claus with um, a Nordic tradition mm-hmm. of there's there's kind of a, a Nordic fairy tale of a of a magician who comes and he punishes naughty children <laughs> and he rewards good children with presents and so that's how somehow we just kind of slap these two together yep. the the generosity and the kindness of mm-hmm. Saint Nick who would give things like bags of gold to these right. young women. Um, with this magician who, who can like slim down and fit right, through, the fit through the chimney. So now we have this <laughs> comes eat your cookies. Right now we have this uh, we have this new tradition of of Santa Claus that has come out of that. Yeah, who can he can do all these things by way of magic. Mm-hmm. Um, we leave up an offering basically to him yeah. of, of cookies and milk. Like, if you think about it, it's absolutely an offering. <laughs> don't leave me cold. Please have some chocolate chips. Yeah. Like, and we kind of like have this mentality about him, I guess, in parenting. Mm-hmm. It happened to us. I see my sister doing sure. it with my niece and nephew. <laughs> you know, whenever we want to scare the kids or get them mm. to behave, we'll threaten them. Like, right. if you don't listen, the cops are going to come and <laughs> arrest you. Well, we right. kind of use... You use Santa uh, as the police. <laughs> yeah, we do. Like, if you don't behave, you're going to be on the naughty list and mm-hmm. we'll bring you coals instead of presents. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we have we have this kind of idea of we St. Nicholas. Him. Yeah, we, we kind of changed it. It kind of conflated with other ideas. Um but something I actually just recently learned, like within the past few weeks here, was uh, another story of St. Nicholas. And uh, we'll put in the show notes the this kind of source page from the St. Nicholas Center, who they kind of keep all of these, like we were saying earlier, these small snippets mm-hmm. of tradition from nice. his life. They kind of keep them all in, in order for those who are interested to learn more about him. So we'll put that in the show notes. Um, but the first one that we have, the first mention of St. Nicholas that we have is from uh, an anonymous Greek account that we that we title Stratilatus, which is, you know, in English would be like the military officer. So mm-hmm. it's probably written by a military officer or someone who was familiar with, um, with the army in that time period and uh, who wrote about something that happened in St. Nicholas's life two times, actually, several times. Uh, the first time being in person, the second time actually him performing a miracle of, of appearing in someone's dream. Oh, wow. Um, so the the first occurrence of, of his just respect for life and his desire to protect as the leader of this flock in Myra, mm-hmm. he was gone. He was on a trip visiting the Holy Land, and he came back. 
and someone informed him, hey, there's three young men who are about to be executed. And as he's kind of running towards this execution, he starts to get parts of the story from other people as he goes along and finally finds out that these three men are completely innocent of whatever crime they're being accused of, but that a large bribe has been taken in order for them to be accused and to be put Mm -hmm. to death for this crime. So St. Nicholas busts in, he stops the executioner, he takes his sword out of his hand and throws it on the ground, and he takes these three young men under his wing, and he brings them to the Praetorium, which was where the governor and and all of the the people of the law were at the time, and he goes to um, the Praesis, who his name was... um, Oh, Eustathius. I, I'm gonna. I'm, so, I'm sorry to any Greek speakers that are listening to this right <laughs> Sounds now. Sounds good to me. Um, but he says to him, and and this is quoted directly from the story. He says, "Sacrilegious bloodshedder! How dare you confront me, apprehended in so many and such acts of evil? I will not spare or forgive you." Like <laughs> wow, wow! Like Santa Claus goes goes so, ape on this. Yeah, guy. so he's not just a man of charity, but he's a man of truth. He was absolutely like seeking justice for these men. He changed um, Eustathius's mind on this. Like he, Eustathius, like completely repented of what he had done. Saint Nicholas, even though he says like I will not spare, forgive you, eventually mm-hmm. does pardon him um, for this great crime and great sin that he's committed against these three men. Um, and then later, is actually so these stories might be conflated. They might be mm-hmm. you know the tradition might have separated them. They might be a similar story or the same story told in different ways. Um, but another story goes that there were three generals in Constantinople who were also going to be put to death. But in this instance, St. Nicholas wasn't wasn't physically present. Mm-hmm. He was still alive, but he wasn't there. So he actually appears in a dream to the consul Oblavius and to the emperor Constantine and says, hey, these men are innocent. They need to be let go. And so, obviously, like, these these two men who are like, oh, my gosh, I'm seeing this person in a dream. I should probably listen, um, end up, yes, letting th- these three generals go, saving their lives. So he nice. is very much a, a, a champion of justice for the human person as well. And, like, a lot of his stories have to do with just being just such an amazing shepherd to his people. Mm-hmm. There's There's another legend where there was a shipment of grain that was supposed to go on to Constantinople that um, had, had docked near My- near Myra. Uh-huh. And he knew that they were in a drought, that the people were, were losing their their crops. They weren't you know able to feed themselves. And so he goes to the ship and he says, hey, give us some of your grain. <laughs> very kindly says, like, give us some of your grain. And they're like, no, like they're going to weigh it when we get to Constantinople. And they're going to know that you didn't, right. that, you, that we lost some or we right. gave some away, right, right. which is illegal. We can't do that. And Nicholas says, no, 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 it's not, it, it's not going to happen. Trust me. Like the Lord's going to provide what we need to survive. And, and we'll then provide we'll for provide you. for you as well. So basically they give them enough grain to sustain the people for two years. Which says, sounds like a lot, a lot of grain. Of grain. <laughs> <laughs> and then they sail on and they get to Constantinople and it's weighed and it weighs exactly what it's supposed to weigh. Wow. So beautiful miracles and, yep. and just uh, all attributing to his love for his people, which is a godly love, which is a Christ-like love. He definitely um, had that love, Jen. And speaking of Constantine and Constantinople, we know like mm-hmm. him living in the 4th century, the 300s, there was... Great persecution. That's that the end of persecution. He right. lived during the time of Diocletian. In mm-hmm. fact, him and a few of the uh, Christians in town were arrested and put in jail, imprisoned mm-hmm. for a while until Constantine comes to power. Uh, and Constantine, being a friend of of Christians, um, has uh, 
the Christians released who are who are imprisoned. And so Nicholas, being one of them, uh, is is set free, and he continues to preach uh, against uh, that known heresy of the time, mm-hmm. Arianism, mm-hmm. Uh, which denies the divinity of the second person of the Blessed Trinity of Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, who who states that falsely states that there was a time when Christ was not right, right. Uh, had no existence and and Nicholas we know fought against that now there is some <laughs> accounts <laughs> yes uh, one of the most historically disputed accounts right. uh, that we have of Saint Nicholas is this interaction right that he was present at the Council of Nicaea mm-hmm. in three twenty five when Arianism was condemned and supposedly <laughs> him being present there. And being very outspoken and passionate mm-hmm. about the truth and the divinity of Christ and protecting that. As, as he in his own diocese taught his people that Arianism, uh, quote, was the death-dealing poison, end quote. Mm-hmm. Uh, but supposedly he and uh, Ar- the Bishop Arius had a few rounds. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, St. Nick may or may not have <laughs> slapped him yes. or punched him, yeah. decked him. Maybe that's where we get deck the halls. Deck the halls, just just he, he decks the uh, the heretic. But yeah, regardless if he did it or not, I know that uh, it's a it's a great uh, joke around the seminary. We love uh, yeah, we love that funny meme of and, Saint Nicholas slapping him. Right, and there are <laughs> Greek there are Greek icons that do actually depict that slap or that you know whatever it is because it's it's an important moment in history mm-hmm. as to. Because there are some, you know, the, the accounts have changed over time from a slap to a punch. And to, yeah. like it was a certain <laughs> it was a certain Arian to it was the Bishop Arius, like right. um and but one of the one of the ways that it's, you know, meant to be taken particularly is that he was quote slapping him back to sense. Right, exactly. So the while the physical blow may not have actually happened, we we can't really be sure. Right. Um what he was, what they're trying to depict with those icons is mm-hmm. he was trying to rebuke him and bring him back Correct. to, to the, the fold, to the, the truth. truth, and it shows the passion that he mm-hmm. had for his fellow brother and sister Christian, and uh, just his love for the truth. Right, absolutely. So Saint Nicholas, Santa Claus, whatever you want to call him, however you want to um, ask for his intercession, you know, I'm sure he's listening. I'm sure he's he's pleased that uh, Santa Claus brings so many people closer to. To Jesus Himself, absolutely. Um, Father, any last thoughts about? Yeah, um, one of the one of the icons actually that I saw the other day at someone's house, not icon but statue, mm. and I, I've seen it growing up. But I guess for me this year, my first year as a priest for Christmas time, it kind of it caught me anew. Uh, was there was a statue of Saint Nicholas dressed as Santa Claus, oh. uh, kneeling before the crib mm, of the Christ mm-hmm. Child, and yeah. I think that just puts everything into perspective right. that uh, no matter where or how we got this modern day mm-hmm. idea of Santa Claus, that behind it is is a real man who lived, who was mm-hmm. a faithful Christian, a faithful bishop, who uh, loved Christ. And so right. this year, uh, whether you're putting out milk or cookies or <laughs> uh, whatever our, our traditions have us do to uh, just send up a prayer and ask mm-hmm. for the intercession of St. Nicholas that we could better... Uh, come to know Christ and to love Christ and to adore Christ as uh, St. Nicholas, Bishop of Myra, did. Absolutely. Amen. Yeah, we we want to, we want everything, all these ideas of popular piety, all these things that we use, um, sacraments, sacramentals, mm-hmm. to lead us back ultimately Absolutely. to Absolutely. Yeah, there's Christ. nothing wrong with these 
these things as long as we understand mm-hmm. where they came from, why, and uh, what we're to do with that. Yeah, who they Point lead us, us to. Right, yeah. to him. All right, y'all. Well, thanks for tuning in. We will have our final episode of our Popular Piety series this coming week. Again, if you have any episode ideas or questions, please feel free to email us at sthillarychurch at htdiocese.org. And again, we hope that you're having a wonderful Advent season. If you're a parishioner at St. Hilary, we do still have some cards for our Ignite series. If you want to grab those at the church, we would really highly encourage that as a way to finish out the Advent season and really prepare your hearts for Christmas. So have a blessed Advent and a wonderful day.